This episode of the Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by the Door County Community Foundation, inspiring people to give back, to sustain, and advance the community that we love. To learn more, visit givedoorcounty.org. Hello, and welcome to the Door County Pulse podcast. I'm Andrew Clyden, and I'm joined today by Deborah Fitzgerald, writer and editor for The Pulse. How's it going, Deb? Hey, Andrew. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Excellent. Uh, happy belated Earth Day. Yes. Well, it's, you know, I can kind of consider it Earth Day all week. Right. Or you can, you know, adopt the mantra that every day is Earth Day. Yes. Right? Yes. And uh, this is definitely still a time for celebration. The sustainability issue of The Pulse is out and available for everybody now as we're recording. Mm-hmm. So we just put that together and talk talked a lot about trees this year. Yes, we did. Lots of tree articles. You wrote a number of pieces. Um, but before we jump into that, how did you celebrate Earth Day? I celebrated Earth Day by, oh, by hardening off some of our plants. So nice. they are soon going to be going into the garden. So you have to harden them off first. And right. so the tomatoes, broccoli, and we actually get a little jump start on lettuce uh, as well because we like to eat it as soon as possible. So we um, put them out uh, on Earth Day. It was the first day that they actually got to be outside. Nice. To feel the air and to feel the real sunshine. So that was a celebration. Perfect. I have very, very little experience out gardening. I do mm. not have a green thumb, but I have been learning a ton from all of Kagan Haringa's oh, articles that sure. she writes for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, I read every single one of those and I've learned a lot about gardening. Excellent. Uh, I was going to say, you know, oh, I got out in my garden as well, but Kagan warned me not to jump the gun and to wait <laughs> on my like spring landscaping a little bit longer mm-hmm. uh, because there's a lot of organisms in the ecosystem that actually depend on like fallen leaves and that kind of stuff during this time of the year. So uh, I'm, I'm still waiting a little bit. I'll call her and ask when I can actually get out and do it. I'll, yeah, I'll I say, you me. know, you can go for it for certain things at certain times of the year. You know, our garlic is up. It yeah. is. Yeah. So we're we're yeah, we're on our way. Nice. Yes. So sustainability issues out uh, all about trees. One article that I want to talk a little bit about, and you can tell me kind of give me an overview of some of the stuff that you wrote about. But Mm -hmm. the burning question that I have today (laughs) is, do trees talk to each other? They absolutely talk to each other. All right. Hit me with that. I I was very interested in this in in this topic because I had read a couple of books over the past year on the uh, hidden life of trees, and um, that was fascinating to me to even conceive of the notion that they have you know they're aware of things that they perceive things that they communicate with each other that if there's danger they let each other know if they. If uh, another tree needs nutrients that, or, or water, they are able to shuttle that to them. I mean, this was all really fascinating stuff. And I read that book. Uh, then I read The Overstory, which was a novel um, by Richard Powers. And I wanted to be able to find somebody who could talk about that, a live person who could talk about that. And I found somebody at the University of Wisconsin-Madison who is a, a, a tree physiologist. And he knew quite a bit about how trees communicate. So we had a fascinating conversation about that. And that's one of the stories that is in the sustainability issue. 
Now, I I know that like my favorite examples of plants being alive, like I know that plants are alive, but it, sometimes it's hard to remember that they're alive because yes. they don't do much. Right. Uh, if you've ever seen a time lapse video of like vines and oh, how they like spin yeah. around and try to find something to hook onto. That makes it very apparent that these things are alive. Uh, or when like sunflowers can't find the sun, mm-hmm. they'll face each other. And I think that that's beautiful. That's like an, an allegory for friendship. They're like, oh, uh, where's the sun? You're my son. You oh, know what I mean? really? They face each other? I never yeah. knew that, Andrew. I mean, I know they follow the sun, but... When they I'd, can't find it, they look at each seriously, other. Seriously, this is... Is that a myth? I Maybe. <laughs> I've never heard of that, but I love it. Right. I thought you were going to say something like Little Shop of Horrors. Little Since- Shop of... Okay, <laughs> I, I may have brought this up on the podcast before. It's been a couple of years now, but Little Shop of Horrors is hands down my favorite musical is it? of all time. So see, that's what I thought you were going to bring up, is plants coming to life and, you know, Little right. Shop of Horrors is right. kind of like that. But anyway. Well, and then the other thing too is like thinking about um, plants, like you might go into a forest and see a hundred trees, but there are certain types of trees that root systems are all connected so if one gets sick, they all get sick kind of thing. Is that a part of this communication story or well, is it no. even See, more than that? Yeah, it's actually even different from that. So it's not like the tree roots are physically connected themselves, though the um, the scientists that I spoke with said that can happen, that sometimes roots underground can graft together and form a joint and then it becomes kind of like the vascular system that we have throughout our body. But Really what is going on down there is fungi. So the fungi actually grows at the ends of the tree roots and it forms these extensive fungal mats and they spread out for acres, like up to a hundred acres and they connect tree roots in that way. So it's these fungi that is shuttling the messages, the biochemical messages, back and forth, and sometimes nutrients as well. So if a a tree senses that there are nutrients or water that is needed somewhere else, then these fungal mats are shuttling that stuff back and forth. In return, yes, in return for the sugar that the tree has. So there were some estimates that the fungi get between 10 and 30% of a tree's sugar in exchange for acting like the messengers that transfer everything back and forth. Huh. See, that was going to be my next question is whether it's like a symbiotic relationship. Yes, yes. Um, Because sometimes I think about mutually beneficial relationships like birds and hippos. (laughs) Birds will eat food out of hippos' mouths and then hippos get clean teeth. Yes, yes. And the birds get food. But then there's also uh, like less beneficial where it's like are are the fungi taking over the tree and now Mm-mm. are they communicating with each other to keep their home safe mm-hmm. or are the trees using the fungus more like a tool to communicate with each other? Yeah, it's definitely symbiotic. So it is as far as scientists. And not parasitical. No, it is not. Opposite. Exactly. So it is, uh, trees have evolved apparently to allow this kind of system because it has been beneficial to trees. So that's how um, the scientists that I spoke with put it. So- it is an evolutionary advantage for the tree to be able to do this. Right. All right. So trees do talk to each yes, other. Yes, they do. So next time you're in the forest or in the woods, know that these trees are communicating. And especially if you're a danger, like if you're a deer. Now, this is something that doesn't have to do with fungal mats at all. If you are an herbivore that is like, say, chewing on some leaves, 
then those leaves will give off a chemical and that chemical will waft on the breeze and other trees will perceive that chemical and they will start putting out their own defenses against whatever it be that is attacking that tree. Trees are a lot smarter than I thought they were. Yes, they are. That's the point. So anyway, this is a celebration of uh, of trees and this sustainability issue. Right. We don't have to get uh, too far in the weeds or in the trees Which as I'm trying to, <laughs> to pun our, our segue here. Um, but what are some other pieces that people can enjoy in the sustainability issue? Well, we wanted to focus on trees because they're all around us. We probably take them for granted, and yet they are incredibly important. And so really that's why we have... Uh, you know, tried to cover all different aspects of it. Um, the things that we do to manage uh, trees, the things that we do to sustain them, um, how to plant your own so that you don't kill it, some of the uh, herbal remedies that come from trees. So we really tried to come at it in a bunch of different directions. So it's just not, you know, like a poem to trees. I mean, some, some good stuff. Right. I also want to mention, too, before we, we talk about some other stuff, that the graphic design of this issue is fantastic. Ryan it Miller is. put together this really cool tree motif. Uh, it's kind of abstract, kind of uh, more like a modern take on it that kind of links everything together. Yes. So it is, it is just fun to read and to see the different ways that Ryan was able to kind of lead you through the issue uh, with these graphical motifs. And so. that's, and he's always so fascinating that way, you know, because when you say, okay, we're doing it about trees. So then you think that there's going to be an actual tree right. with actual roots that, yes. So this is just, it's, it's a fantastic uh, way to present it. Right. As you said. So another thing that I wanted to chat about briefly on Tuesday night, uh, Bailey's Harbor voted to purchase the Nelson's property. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I kept hearing back and forth is like, why why is there a vote on purchasing it? There's no plan for it, that type of thing. Mm -hmm. And I think that that kind of spurred the conversation more about like, what's the difference between a town, a village, a city, those types of things. And you laid it all out for us finally, yeah. which was very helpful for me because I get very confused. Uh, the difference between the village of Egg Harbor and the town of Egg Harbor is still very difficult for me to get right mm -hmm. off the cuff. Um, I'm getting better at it. Uh, but there are more differences between them than just their names, right? Exactly. And I think that the reason why um, I'm kind of a local government unit geek, so this stuff is all really interesting to me anyway, but it was the perfect time to actually present it because we were getting a lot of questions as to why, you know, people were able to vote on that purchase. And if you were in, say, the village of Egg Harbor, well, our government doesn't, you know, talk to us about it before we purchase something. Well, that's because that's not that type of government so right has nothing to do with the people on the board no it doesn't it's the type of government it is okay exactly. so can you, can you kind of briefly break down the difference between at least at least a village and a town because i feel like that's the one that i really get stuck on yeah but the, but the three big ones right because people have actually um they have decided that a village is just like you know maybe this bucolic thing and it means like the small little hamlet and it's called that because it's quaint you know as opposed to because it's a form of government right yes so they get stuck on those on the images that they have of that and then they have a harder time with it but basically a village is more like a city it has the same kind of autonomy that a city does and, and by autonomy what i mean is that 
a town is really underneath a county, and the county is really an agent of the state. So by extension, a town has, you know, a lot more to answer to in terms of to the county and to the state. And a town is really only formed, you know, by the Wisconsin Constitution. And so really only has statutory powers. So anything that a town does is written in statute. A city and a village have way more uh, individuality than that. Like they don't, they, they have more authority, they have more power to just govern themselves without any oversight. Gotcha. You know, it's interesting because my struggle, especially in Egg Harbor, comes from my idea of like a village being like, I think of like a medieval village, something mm. very spread out mm-hmm. over a lot of area. Uh, whereas when I think of Egg Harbor, like the village of Egg Harbor, I think about like, downtown Egg Harbor, yeah, right? So yeah. I think that that's the town and then the surrounding area is the village, but yeah. it's the opposite. It is the opposite. hard for me. And that's because of what, I mean, first of all, everything was a county and then um, the counties were divided into towns. And so everything that a city and a village, all of those were chunked out of towns. So that's why you have towns that surround villages and cities because originally everything was a town. Right. And can you go even further into that? Can you get smaller than a village? Well, a village is not by size. A village can be any size, actually. And one of the uh, well, you can't get smaller than a certain number, but you can be, uh, I think, the 24th largest. A municipality in Wisconsin is a village. Sure. Well, I meant more like uh, in the hierarchy of, so you've got the the nation, the state, the county, mm-hmm. the town, the village. Mm-hmm. Can you get smaller than that? No, you, you really cannot. That I am aware gets. of. I mean, you know, there is a lot out there that we're not aware of. That's true. And at least we just have that more like Western view of it. We don't have to deal with any sort of like uh, kingdoms or, or royalty things like an yes. archducky or anything like that. Right. So you have property owners, I guess that would be smaller. Sure. I thought you were talking about like an atomic level, you know, are there electrons and. Well, I mean, you know. yeah, well, we can break all yes. of matter down if you want to. <laughs> but I was just thinking, is there anything smaller than a village? No, not that I'm. Except for, yeah, except for individual property owners. All right. Okay. I hope. I hope that that cleared some things up for people. Well, and if it didn't, then they can read the story in last week's paper. And it's online as well. Exactly. There you go. You, you totally, you brought it back around and got people into the paper again. Well, I, where they belong. That. Yes. So is there anything else coming up uh, that you're working on, kind of looking forward? Uh, any stories that you're working on right now for the next couple of weeks? Um, I am working always on a, a number of stories. Um, probably the uh, the biggest thing that happened last week in county government was um, the supervisors did take another look at their at their resolution that uh, racism is a public health crisis. They had passed that resolution last month, and just this past Tuesday, they changed that resolution. Um, the new one is entitled Door County's Vision of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion. So while it does indicate in the resolution that racism is a public health crisis, it no longer is you know, the title of the document. The other big difference is that there were certain actionable things that needed to be done in the first 
resolution. Um, you know, a committee needed to be formed. They needed to take a systematic look at all of their policies. They needed to uh, develop a, a specific strategy. Those types of things are, are now not a part of the resolution. So there was quite a bit of discussion. There was a ton of public input. The supervisors actually decided to suspend their time limit of 30 minutes in order to be able to allow everybody to speak. So I am working on, on that as well as some of the changes that the county made at their organizational meeting um, pertaining to public comment, pertaining to some of the rules, pertaining to uh, you know some of the committee designations, responsibilities. Those changes, are those uh, spurred on by anything specific, uh, like in terms of how things have been going over the last couple of years, or are these just things that they're looking back on and, and trying to make new decisions on? Well, a county is, is required to have this uh, organization meeting uh, on the third Tuesday of every month. So this is something that happens all the time. But, and, and they always, you know, uh, assign people their committee assignments. They always have, you know, a definition of what the committees are. So this is, you know, they always, they go over their rules and regulations and that kind of thing. This time there was a lot of debate about some of the changes that were introduced and adopted because they seem to pertain specifically to the process within which this racism is a public health crisis resolution arose. So there was quite a bit of debate, you know, about the purpose of these things and why they were being undertaken. So that's another aspect to the story that I'm looking into. Right. Yeah. And and when this has, when we're further along in this, I think that you and I should probably have a greater discussion about this because it's something that you've been following for a while now. A very long time. Almost yeah. half of the time I've been here. Right. So when, when we're at a point where we can kind of look back more comprehensively, I think it's an important conversation for us to have. Sure. Uh, but in the meantime, as things are still ongoing, yes, uh, I, I encourage people to to keep checking in uh, as you write more about it because you've been following it for a while. Uh, but we will, we will definitely sit yeah. down and have a greater conversation about it. And it won't be over. I mean, it's not supposed to be something that's a one and done. And right. that was one of the, you know, concerns is right. that it might be headed in that direction, um, even though they assured them that that wouldn't be the case. Right. So, so then that's what's going on in, um, you know, the news end of the world. But really what's been kind of uh, getting us all excited here is how things are starting to open up. Now, right. you you became the A&E editor uh, during a pandemic. And that's really how you've known it. So what are you anticipating is going to be happening? And what types of things are you seeing as we start to move toward a bit of normalcy here? Right. That's that's a great question. And when when I was first approached with the position, uh, one of the things that I was was told as like the job description is like, you got to know what's going on and you have to know who's doing what. And at the time I was like, oh, that's easy. Mm -hmm. Nothing's going on and no one's doing anything. Mm -hmm. That's, that's changing now. And, and yes. it's, it's very exciting to see what's coming up. So, uh, as you know, around this time last year, there were a lot of questions about what was going to actually happen and what wasn't. There are a lot of things that were, were being canceled, you know, early on. And we're kind of at that point again where things are rumbling again. And there's still questions about what is uh, going to be 
safe. Uh, and, and there's also like interesting questions about what's going to be allowed from different organizations. Mm -hmm. So for example, music lists, mm -hmm. venues are sending in their, their, their concert schedules. Mm -hmm. A lot of those things are outdoors. Uh, and I think that you're going to see a lot of outdoor music. Not that that's a bad thing at all, because uh, one of the things that I love about being spending my pandemic here in Door County is that like, if you're not comfortable eating in a restaurant, so many of them have outdoor eating options and those have even grown yes. exponentially over the last year. Absolutely. And this is a beautiful place to eat outside. Mm -hmm. So, so you've got that. Uh, but then you've also got things like the, the theater companies, right? They are unique in that they have safety concerns, of course, for both their audience members and their actors and their crew, but then they're equity theaters as well. They're part of the Actors' Equity Union. So they have guidelines that are coming down from the top that they need to, uh, that they need to take into consideration. Um, and so if Actors' Equity doesn't allow them to do any shows, then they can't do any shows. Um, Northern Sky specifically not only is looking for approval from Actors' Equity, but they also have to get approval from the DNR too mm -hmm. uh, to do their shows out in Peninsula State Park. So... Things are still kind of on the fence in a lot of ways, but this is like that exciting period where decisions are starting to be made. And I talked with Miles on the podcast uh, in the last episode of the podcast about kind of where we're at in terms of percentages of people who are vaccinated, who at least have one shot, mm -hmm. and what the projections might be as we get into summer in terms of the percentage of people who are fully vaccinated or at least have one shot. And things are looking good. Especially so, for Dora County residents, right? right? I mean, so that's what we can know is is how many Dora County residents have actually been vaccinated. So right. that's really good news. Yeah, it's a, it's a incredibly significant portion of the highest people or the highest at risk population, people over sixty five. The percentage of people who are fully vaccinated is very high up here, mm -hmm. which is great. Mm -hmm. um, but the the percentage of everybody else is also quite high too. It is. We're kind of leading the right. state and the counties, right? So that. I mean, that will have an effect on what is open and how things are. We also talked about personal accountability and making sure that, you know, even though you may feel one way, whether you're, you feel safe or don't feel safe, that you're, you're considerate of others. Mm -hmm. uh, and I specifically brought up the example that even though I'm fully vaccinated, I'm, I'm not going to have expectations on businesses or other people. I'm going to continue to do what I can to keep other people safe, sure. even though I feel pretty safe at this point. And those are the expert guideline measures to be taking anyway. Right. So as things are starting to set up and more and more, uh, we'll, we'll be putting together comprehensive events calendars, summer music previews, all that kind of stuff that you've come to expect from The Pulse. And I got a feeling that there's going to be a lot more to do this summer. I know. And I'm so excited about that because yeah. I arrived last May when, you know, the pandemic was upon us, everything was closed. And now I'm seeing advertising for things that are actually going to be happening and restaurants that are, you know, opening now for the season. And I'm just so excited that I'm actually going to be able to go to these things. Right. Well, and I don't mean to cause anybody anxiety for saying that, like, things may open and there may be uh, larger you know, events, those types of things, not to cause any anxiety because one thing that Door County really proved last year is how safe it can be mm -hmm. in terms of precautions, safety measures, social distancing, all of those types of things. We were really good at that right from the get-go. There were so many businesses and organizations who adopted new measures right away to mm -hmm. kind of get ahead of this. And even 
even as I've gone out to get food or to stores or different areas, I've always felt relatively safe in Door County. There's mm-hmm. been very, very few situations where I've been like, oh, this is a little too close for comfort or this place doesn't seem very clean. Mm-hmm. Very, very few, if, if any at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, so while things are ramping up and there may be a certain level of anxiety about kind of reintroducing those things, I think that this is a, a place that is going to keep safety at the forefront. And I think that it, it's going to be you know, we're going to have a great season. Yeah, I kind of feel like we, um, you know, we by the, you know, businesses and uh, everybody who lives up here and anybody who lives anywhere actually really for their particular areas have it down. I mean, it's it's kind of, um, we adapt really, really quickly and really well. And I'm surprised by that. In fact, so well that I know people who are having a little bit of anxiety on the other end of the spectrum, which is, you know, now how do I be social again? So there is that reintroduction, you know, maybe they found it to be not such a hardship because now they didn't have to give excuses for things. So, you know, so on the other end, yeah. Um, I know that there's, there's a lot of people who really struggled without being able to be around other people Mm -hmm. and to get out into more big event type things. There's a lot of people who thrive in those situations. Right. Uh, I'm somebody who's totally fine being at home. Mm -hmm. And so my, like, there, there were other parts of mental health that were very challenging for me over the pandemic, but not being able to go into, you know, a restaurant or or not feeling like I could go into a restaurant or uh, going to a big event or things like that, Mm -hmm. that didn't affect me Mm -hmm. nearly as much. Um, And I I think that that's the other part of it. I mean, we're even if COVID is done by the end of the summer, and and it won't be, but even if it is, we're still going to be dealing with the effects of this for a while in terms of uh, the economic situation, Mm -hmm. but also just us and how we Mm -hmm. mentally get back into it. Because we Uh, adapt so easily. I mean, it's just really crazy because who thought that we would be able to just kind of take it the way we did, especially at the beginning when everything was so unreal. You could not believe that something like this was happening. You know, I remember the first time I wore a mask and I thought, wow, this is really strange. And now there are lots of benefits to masks. Right. Especially in the summer, I feel like the, when the mask goes away, it'll be like, oh, that's nice. I don't have to wear yeah. the mask anymore. Yes. In the winter, I was like, I actually enjoy the mask quite a bit. It keeps warm. my face warm, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. I also, um, I just make a lot of weird faces just in my day to day. And I felt a lot more confident with the mask on because I didn't have to like not make weird faces as I'm walking around. Mm-hmm. So things like that. I don't know. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see uh, what things we just jump right back into like nothing sure. happened and then what other things will take uh, a longer period of adjustment but i'm sure that you know five years down the line we'll be talking about this like you know wasn't it wild that those types of things and yeah. when i when i make comments like that of course i'm not you know discounting all of the people who got very sick or died because mm-hmm. that's the other thing it's so hard when you've been going through it for over a year to talk about returning to a sense of normalcy or getting over it because there is that huge component of people who will never return to normal Mm -hmm. from it. Mm -hmm. So I I just wanted to mention that as well. Sometimes we can be like, oh, we're almost to the other side, but it is important to kind of remember that like this wasn't just, um, this wasn't just an inconvenience. No, the crush of it was a mass fatality event. Right. I mean, unlike anything that we have seen in the United States, so there's no way that our psyche has, has not absorbed that, if not been affected because of loved ones right. that we know. 
Yeah. So uh, while on one hand, I'm like gung ho to get excited about everything. I also don't want to ever give the impression that I'm, I'm brushing aside any of that. I did not get that impression from what you were talking about. I appreciate that. Yes. So as we, as we end the podcast on a somber note, (laughs) uh, I just want to encourage people again to pick up the sustainability issue. Check out the great artwork from Ryan Miller, as well as the super informative and interesting articles from all of our contributors. Mm -hmm. And uh, Deb, thank you so much for coming on and chatting with me. Well, thanks for inviting me, Andrew. Always a pleasure. You're welcome. I look forward to chatting with you again soon. All right. Thank you so much for listening to the Door County Pulse podcast. If you want to support us at The Pulse, check out doorcountypulse.com slash shop, where you can get a weekly Pulse subscription, purchase some incredible Door County artwork from Pulse artist Ryan Miller, and much more. We hope you've enjoyed the Door County Pulse podcast, and we will see you next time.